Welcome to the Women in NFTs and Web3 podcast, where we highlight women in this space who are making massive moves, paving the way and leaving their legacy. I'm Caitlin Strempel, CEO of the first ever women-owned NFT marketing and design agency for women by women and your host. I'm honored to have you join me in learning from some of the greatest leaders in our industry. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review because the more traction we get, the more women we can support in helping them impact the world. If you or someone you know would be a great guest, stick around to the end and I will tell you how to get in touch and apply. Enjoy the show. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by The Calibration Room. So before we get started, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. It's a networking community for the Web3 woman and non-binary baddie and a true labor of love. It is a space where you receive all different kinds of membership perks that are really crafted with intention to offer you real connection, deeper support, more visibility and growth, and to help you actually make money in the Web3 space. I truly believe that when you gather women together and non-binary folks who are truly wanting to make this world a better place and who are here with really big ideas and big hearts, creativity explodes, deep connections are forged, humanity leaps forward, and wealth is truly created. So powerful folks like us really need space to hold these biggest ideas, to talk through roadblocks, and develop real connections. And just on top of that, in general, the journey is always better together, and it's a lot more fun when you do it as a group. So if this interests you, I lovingly encourage you to go check us out at calibrationroom.io. Again, that is calibrationroom.io and become one of our founding members today. Now let's proceed with introducing you to my incredible guest today. Elena Abukova is an entrepreneur, business strategist, crypto and NFT expert, a keynote speaker who published more than 30 articles in the space and was featured as one of the most powerful women in blockchain several times. Elena is a founder and CEO of Flashback.one, the first NFT ticketing platform built on Avalanche, and founder of Super Moon Camp. Elena joined the crypto field in early 2014 and had lived in nine countries, including China, South Korea, Argentina, Mexico, France, and the USA. Her diverse experience is a valuable asset that Elena brings to each project she works with. Welcome, Elena. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me today. It's really exciting to have this conversation. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here. We're going to get into all the things. So I know that I gave you the warning, but giving the listeners a warning, Elena knows everything about this space. I swear she is. Oh, no. <laughs> she's no a, I know. I was like going through her bio and her background. I was like, oh my gosh, I have so many random questions to ask not random, but they don't really follow a flow, but like, I just want to get all the details. Um, so you might be taken for quite the ride, um, on this podcast, but that's why it's so fun. But before we jump in, let's do our icebreaker question. So the first one is who you want to give a shout out to in the space. So a woman or a non-binary friend who you just think needs a shout out. 
Well, first of all, there are lots of uh, women in the space uh, and just amazing entrepreneurs uh, who are working on projects. It's always hard uh, for me to feature someone specific because uh, there are so many different activities that people are working on. But I want to uh, say extra words and extra, uh, I don't know, uh, gratitude, like express extra gratitude to my co-founder, uh, Olga Filatova from uh, Flashback One. Uh, we had quite a journey and uh, Olga always impresses me with uh, how active she is. She's always uh, on the move. Uh, she always uh, finds time to finish all their, I don't know, like build amazing strategy, uh, come like talk to people, bring her strategic partners. Uh, and uh, she's always, yeah, she has a time to enjoy her life. And she's a really open person, always uh, willing to help. And uh, she always has a great vision on how to build a project uh, in a space. So Olga Filatova, I think, is a person who I especially uh, and personally want to uh, thank right now. Oh, that's amazing. She sounds amazing as well. You ladies are like the genius. <laughs> uh, do you have a morning routine? Well, uh, as a founder, <laughs> my morning routine is uh, quite hectic. So it depends. Uh, like I, I have my ideal routines that I'm trying to maintain, but it never works. Uh, I love to start my morning with uh, one hour, one hour and a half uh, offline uh, until the morning craziness uh, starts. Not checking my emails, having maybe some yoga, some exercising, uh, drinking coffee and uh, starting my day through reading through some news. But uh, that's an ideal routine. It never works. <laughs> ideal, <laughs> so I usually, know. Yeah, it's ideal. So my morning starts, I just opening my eyes. I uh, see my phones already, like hundreds of messages. So I have to uh, see whatever urgent is happening. I need to get back to people to make sure I'm unlocking their day. Because uh, we also don't want to, and we can't lose any time uh, when we're building a startup. We want to make sure that everyone works efficiently and people don't need to wait uh, for you on a specific urgent answer. Yeah, it's hard when you are the one who is the bottleneck or not. Exactly. And that's why, like, yeah, founders don't have uh, much free time. You're always working. And whenever you're trying to take a day off or like a couple of hours off, um, <laughs> well, not always working. I feel that. I know. What Do you have a favorite quote or affirmation? I'm always saying, uh, don't be afraid to try Mm, and don't be that. afraid to fail i think like if you're failing as there is a way you can actually learn and it's all right uh lots of great founders uh, had uh their startups uh firstly failing before they reach out their uh point where they could succeed and uh that's totally fine it's uh their experience is how they learn it's just how they build their unicorn and multi-billion dollar company at certain moment so don't be afraid to try don't be afraid to fail because uh, if you fail there is only one way and it's uh, going up yes i know i think that there's so much to learn in in our failures and our obstacles for sure so you've been in this space for a while very knowledgeable. So we're going to get into all the things, but first and foremost, a little birdie told me that you have some stories to tell, like maybe a run-in with the FBI, um, way back in the day. So would love to hear that story. Yeah. I like this story a lot. I, I always start saying that it's, uh, 
like I paid for a very expensive lesson and a really cool story. So um, <laughs> back in the days when I was buying my first Bitcoin, it was 2014. There were two exchanges or the majority of people would use in order to buy their Bitcoin. It's MTGOX and BTCE. So I like BTCE uh, more like from like their branding. I mean, there was not really much of branding, but just sounded cooler for me. Yeah. I was a newbie in the space. So I proceeded with BTC, random choice. Then later, I think 2016, uh, MTGOX uh, was shut down. I wouldn't remember which year right now, but uh, it was the first one uh, that was shut down because of uh, money laundering and illegal operations, as mm -hmm. what they like to say, right, for, uh, for not to give an actual reason. And uh, I was, well, it's good. I, I chose BTC. I still didn't bother learning about self-custody and the uh, custody of uh, your assets, uh, how to secure your funds. Uh, so then in 2017, I opened up my account and I saw a very exciting message. FBI uh, shut down the exchange and all funds were seized by FBI. And I was like, wow, what's going on? <laughs> So I couldn't recover any of my funds. I honestly, I didn't try oh. hard enough. Uh, again, like the money that I was uh, putting on exchange uh, wasn't as much. I was willing to, to lose them. Obviously, yeah. the amount that was seized was way higher, but it's just an opportunity uh, gain that I lost. And I considered it as a good price for a cool story that I can now tell to people and explain why it's important to take a custody over your own funds wow you will never lose them it will never happen to you as long as you store your uh phrase and uh your private key in a secure way wow and so do we know what happened with uh was btce at all well uh i know that a few people were uh, like they su succeeded to recover like 30% of what they lost uh, from FBI. Uh, I mean, it was a long operation of uh, refunding to people and you had to provide information where you get this money from. It was so much hustle, honestly, like I, I wouldn't be able to like prove them anything because it just didn't like, didn't really think much uh, at that moment when I was purchasing BTC and it was way too much hassle uh, yeah. to deal with it. I know that a few people succeeded, but majority not. Wow. Uh, I guess oh FBI gosh. really enjoys their Bitcoins. <laughs> well, good for you for sticking with it. I remember it was when, well, I think it was 2017, um, was kind of my first uh, I dipped my toe in and I put some, I bought some Bitcoin. And I remember I was transferring it somewhere and I don't know what happened, but it literally got lost into the ethers. Like it just disappeared. And I don't know how. And at that time, like, you know, back in the day, it like, that was it. You couldn't do anything. Yeah. And it's not like it is now, but I remember just being like, oh my gosh, this is a scam. Like we can't do this. So I took a few years off and then I came back, but, um, it's, it's crazy. It's so different now though, which, you know. Hopefully, hopefully a lot less people are losing their money. <laughs> Random. How, it's like, like, I feel it's our goal to actually teach people on how to uh, buy crypto, how to store it uh, in a secure way. Whereas uh, 
people are still used to rely on banks. Whenever you have any problems, you need to do like a chargeback to a company. You will message your bank and say like, hey guys, like I want to refund uh, my money for this transaction. Or like you are, I don't know, asking for a refund from an airline. So you're going to text your bank and say like, hey guys, can you deal with it? Or someone scammed you, you're again going to your oh. bank and asking for help. Instead, right now, what we can do, we can actually learn a way how we can protect ourselves without necessity to go to some to some third party and ask them to help you. Because they, they're not there to help you. They're doing business. They're earning money from you. And uh, whenever there is some problem uh, that happens with them, uh, this money uh, is not like they, uh, like th- this money uh, doesn't belong to you. Yes, uh, it belongs to whatever centralized institution you were using, and the centralized institution will be more so happy to use your funds for to cover their debt, to cover their costs, to cover whatever uh, things they did are uh, with their business operations. So yeah, self custody is very important. You have to take ownership of your assets and learn how to protect yourself. Yes. Oh my gosh. So so many so many layers to this. So first of all. How would you describe centralization versus decentralization to a total newbie in this space? I mean, uh, centralization, I would say, um, let's, uh, let's think about some good example. Uh, let's uh, imagine, yeah, let's imagine a uh, summer camp. Uh, when you're going to a summer, like when your parents are sending you to a summer camp and uh, you cannot leave the summer camp because uh, uh, your um because all like people, your mentors, or like I forgot what was the name of some like camp leaders or whatever they called, right? Mm-hmm. They are responsible for your life. So your parents put you in the summer camp and uh, they ask uh, these camp leaders to take care of their child. And uh, this child cannot leave, cannot go anywhere, but uh, the camp can still burn. Uh, there can be something else horrible happening and uh, they don't have uh, any control over the situation. They just put their kid uh, in someone who has their custody. And uh, they don't know if this kid uh, is eating enough food, if food is healthy, if they uh, can add uh, some poison in the food. And like, I hope like nothing like that. Oh my happening. gosh. Happening. It's like a really horrible example. I'm just, I was just No, I like, get it. Like, I mean, it, it works, uh, right? Me as like a but I think, uh, yeah. summer camp right now, I'm like, oh God. Yeah. But <laughs> no, I think it's also a good example. So people are going to be scared, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it brings it to life. I love it. Keep keep going. <laughs> so that's what was is happening with your funds. You're just putting them in a sum account where you don't have uh, any actual custody. Uh, imagine if all users of a bank uh, will go, like we'll do a bank run. That's why, why uh, banks are failing when the mm. bank run is happening because lots of people want to withdraw cash and the bank simply doesn't have liquidity. So ask yourself, uh, this money on your account, are those just numbers Yes. or these are real funds? No, those are just numbers. You don't have ownership. Uh, again, this money uh, doesn't belong to you. Mm-hmm. And the uh, example of decentralization is uh, when no one can take your asset from you. It's when you're the only one who has a control. No one else can have access to it whatsoever, as long again as you're storing your private key in a safe location. But no one else uh, can get access to it. And uh, if there anything like happening with a centralized institution, uh, with any other platform, 
your money still there. Mm -hmm. It's still on your account because no one else can have access to it because it's recorded on a blockchain and it's stored in a decentralized way. That's why it's also important to talk about decentralization because not every blockchain is decentralized. Even it's still called blockchain, but there is a degree of uh, decentralization. Uh, Bitcoin so far is the only decentralized uh, uh, blockchain, is the only decentralized cryptocurrency uh, that exists because of our proof of work. Okay. Proof of stake, unfortunately, doesn't give uh, that degree of uh, decentralization. Wow. Okay. So decentralization, it's a good thing, right? Or the, you it's know, it's a good thing and yeah. it's a hard thing. Uh, there are pros and cons. If you want to have a faster transactions, you want to have lower costs, uh, you want to uh, transact uh, like within like, I mean, if you, again, if you want to have a simpler solution, you want someone to take care of you uh, when something happens or like you don't want to deal with it. Decentralization, of course, it's a really tricky part. Mm -hmm. Decentralization is when you are the only responsible person for whatever is happening with your assets. And okay. it's lower because it's decentralized. It has, uh, it has a bigger network. It has more validators in the network. So of course, so the facts are, it affects both speed and transaction cost. Yeah, that makes total sense. And then decentralization, it's, you know, nobody's borrowing your money while it's, you know, in the bank, but it's all up to you to make sure that it stays safe. Exactly. What are some... What are the best ways, maybe like easy, simple, quick tips that we can do to make sure that we do protect our money and our data and our safety and just even our personal privacy online? Well, I was actually teaching a whole one hour class on data privacy just recently at the Decentral Conference. And uh, there are lots of things uh, when it comes to data privacy. So I don't want to be, again, a hypocrite uh, over here. I still have social media. I still uh, use Instagram, LinkedIn, and I have to use it for professional purposes, for business mm -hmm. purposes. And that's when we have to find a compromise. But I don't like just uh, give away my personal data when it's unnecessary. So if it's a food delivery, I use a fake email, fake name, uh, sometimes even a fake address uh, where I know I can pick it up. Uh, I don't use my uh, real name uh, in uh, restaurant reservations. I have a prepaid phone number. So I have lots of things uh, that protect uh, my data at a certain level. And at least uh, I'm not uh, giving it away uh, where it's unnecessary. But if we're looking at the higher level, uh, people still can connect uh, dots because the moment you used your uh, for example, prepaid phone number in, uh, let's say, uh, at uh, some website at, the, at your bank. Let's say you use the same phone number at your bank and uh, at the bank uh, you did go through KYC process. So they know exactly who you are and where you live. Mm -hmm. And you use your phone number there. And then if you uh, use the same phone number with your fake na name and uh, fake email at the delivery service, they can still connect the dots through this phone number oh. because you use it at the same other place. Yeah. So if you're really, really concerned about data privacy, wow, that's a really challenging, <laughs> challenging yeah. part. You have to go through a lot to understand wow. where and how it's related. That's but, crazy. You bring up a good point of just like 
how much people know about us, even if we're using fake information. Crazy. They know everything. Like if you're using a messenger and I, I uh, like bringing, bringing up WeChat in China as a good example of uh, how much they know about us. Uh, uh, Chinese government made an amazing initiative for, for them, of course, uh, on how to collect uh, individuals' data and how to know every single movement. So WeChat right now is their app for messaging, for okay. mobile payments, for all your reservations, for your subway. Uh, it's also essential your subway card. So they know uh, where you're entering subway, what time, when you're exiting, uh, how often do you go to work, are you being late or not? Uh, for your friends, we're going to message uh, if, uh, I don't know, you're like, uh, you're in debt and you need to borrow money. How much money your friend will give you? Uh, where are you traveling? How much you're spending on the alcohol? And I can continue this list forever. Uh, they know every single information. And again, it doesn't really like matter. They don't care about you as a person individually. Yeah. It doesn't really yeah. matter. But knowing uh, the whole population yeah. and what uh, they have in common, what kind of places they go to, gives a really great uh, opportunity to learn how you can manipulate them, how you can affect their decisions in a way they will never even know about it. Wow, that's fascinating. So it's fascinating and scary. Scary, yeah, exactly. So do you think that there's a place in Web3 to kind of mitigate this and go around this or do you think this is something that's kind of just with us forever i mean web3 can give you an opportunity to uh achieve a certain uh data privacy but again it's your uh homework it's your job to do because uh, um blockchain gives us full transparency yeah so it's actually so easy to trace uh, every single transaction from the beginning till the end sure and all all the tools that allowing you to do a private send are still not fully working. They are good enough to protect our, like your funds from uh, just unnecessary like transparency mm-hmm. among your business network or your friends. But if someone really want to find out where you were sending money and where you got them from, uh, they can do it. So there are multiple ways how it can be achieved, but it's still very hard. So transparent world uh, comes with uh, some personal, uh, I, I don't want to call them inconveniences, but I would say it just comes with more uh, extra work uh, that you have to do and what you have to learn in order to protect yourself. It's a good thing for sure. You get uh, freedom and uh, uh, to pay for your freedom, you have to learn how to achieve privacy and how to maintain this freedom and how to protect yourself. I think that's uh, the crucial part that when we're actually getting financial freedom and when we as individuals uh, can have an actual decision making in our global problems because right now we simply don't matter. Yeah. And just, I mean, even just being aware of this, like me having this conversation with you, I'm like, wow, I can just kind of see a lot of the, the blind spots that I had before. So you are working on some projects, which I think are super interesting. And I can't wait because there's some first in here and some technology and some really cool just things in general that, you know, you're touching on. So tell us about both of the projects, Flashback.1 and Supermoon. For sure. So now we're going to move to more positive. Okay, perfect. We'll positive, end on the yeah. high note. Yes, I love it. 
so yeah because people were probably watching like oh my god that's <laughs> they're closing up their windows padlocking their window yeah. doors <laughs> it's funny that was going to be a minute of some uh fun part uh so flashback uh it's a platform that originally started as nft ticketing but right now we're expanding in the joint loyalty programs and memberships so essentially we're helping businesses to collaborate instead of competing uh, now, let's say, imagine a coffee shop can partner up with a gallery, with a restaurant, mm. and they can create a joint uh, loyalty program where, let's say, if you visited a coffee shop one time this week, you visited the gallery one time this week, you visited the restaurant, you're getting a 10% discount at any of these locations. So it's a really good way for wow. businesses to collaborate, exchange their customer base uh, without any extra costs. And on top of that, they're also getting a power over their community because we're using NFT technology, meaning that whenever they mean these loyalty programs or memberships are to their community, their community stays with them forever. Very of course, cool. It is on the blockchain, so it can still exist outside of flashback. Yeah, I love that it allows for more collaboration. I feel like that is the heart and soul of a lot of Web3 projects and just makes it that much easier. That's incredible. How, so tell me about ticketing and NFTs. You know, where do you see the end of this industry grow, going with it? And what like makes you really excited about NFT ticketing? I mean, NFT ticketing is uh, for sure uh, the way the whole ticketing industry is uh, heading towards, though. Of course, I mean, just imagine before, like people like uh, collecting paper-based tickets. And my friend, for example, here from New York, she has a gigantic book filled with Broadway tickets, Mm -hmm. paper-based Broadway tickets. And she was always so excited because uh, she can go through this book, uh, recall some memories uh, she uh, showed it to me she was like oh uh, I still remember that was a really great show and last time like a couple of months ago she went to Broadway and uh, immediately after that she was giving me a call saying Elena when are you going to start working with Broadway because imagine I just uh, went for another show and they gave me just a QR code on my phone there was no ticket there is nothing I can collect and uh, we're allowing people to have a digital collection on their phone. And it's still valuable. It gives their opportunity, first of all, for creators to include their royalties or from secondary sales. You as a person can have and build a really great uh, collection. Organizers can also engage with you more. They can say, if you have our tickets for uh, five of their previous shows, you are getting the next one for free or you're getting a priority entrance or any other perk that they want to give to you. So it gives a room for more collaboration, closer relationships. And of course, uh, there is a uh, just uh, like a collection part in here because people love to collect. People want tons yeah. of memories. Yeah, that I love that so much. I think that if you're going to like keep, you know, a physical ticket, at least this one is online and it actually can unlock so many other things for you, which is really amazing. And just from my standpoint of seeing this as a marketer, there is just so much potential to use that and actually like create more of an asset for your community. Like it's an asset for you, for your community, for your marketing team, everything. Very cool. Absolutely. 
So then if you were, if that's it for flashback, if there's more, we can chat more about that. But I also want to touch on Supermoon Camp too. Of course, uh, Supermoon Camp uh, is uh, essentially our community for uh, crypto enthusiasts, uh, VCs, founders, and talented people in the space. And uh, Supermoon Camp is doing lots of uh, initiatives to bring people into the world of crypto and Web3. Uh, we're organizing different events, uh, and we recently had a, <laughs> a pure madness uh, in Austin. We uh, hosted our first uh, mini moon event. Uh, and uh, was called Mansion on the Moon. And we had so many people who came and there was, our, I think it was one of the most uh, important networking events. At least that's what our people who showed mm -hmm. up uh, were telling to me. Uh, VCs were really, really happy because uh, we gathered uh, lots of uh, quality projects uh, and wow. uh, founders at the place. Founders were really happy because there are lots of uh, VCs uh, that are actively investing in the space and interested in supporting other uh, projects. On top of that, there was lots of media. Uh, there were crypto enthusiasts. Uh, there were event organizers. Uh, basically, everyone was there. <laughs> so cool. Okay, so the main purpose is to connect project leaders with venture capitalists for, for funding. Right? Is that so, is no? That's not exactly like okay. correct. I think like what we're saying is our uh, Supermoon Camp uh, main goal is uh, to let our people in the crypto space to build long-lasting relationships. Gotcha. That's I love it. More than networking, so you actually building relationships, and that's why we are organizing camps. Uh, when we're hosting our camps, we are renting a place for like five four to five nights and uh, we're staying together with uh, usually 20 people and have more room to collaborate, network and uh, attend events together uh, during a major conference uh, weeks. So that's what we did in Austin. We had our camp and then on the last day of our camp, we organized their minimum event. Oh, I love that so much. In real life events, I feel like are so powerful in this space, although it's all online for the most part, like the in real life stuff is so incredible. So what are you most excited for in the future of Web3? In the future of Web3, for me, uh, personal, I'm really excited for decentralization, but I know that it's not happening anytime soon. I really hope we will start uh, thinking about it and uh, thinking on how we can actually uh, secure our freedom and uh, ownership of uh, our personal data. And I think that would be a major part of App3. I'm really excited that it brings uh, more people into space uh, through something like really simple, like NFTs, for example. Uh, lots of people join space. Before, uh, before I was thinking DeFi would be a game changer. It will bring so many people into space. It did bring lots of people, especially in developing economies, when you can't get access to basic financing and DeFi solves so many problems uh, for you. Yeah. But it was uh, surprisingly, and at the same time, uh, not really surprisingly, that NFTs uh, was uh, uh, like 
like Bozar, the tools that brought so many people into space. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you saw something that is uh, released by your favorite artist or your favorite musician, and uh, it's something very simple for you to understand. And you want to collect it because, again, it's your favorite artist. You want to have a piece uh, of their work. Yeah. And uh, that is actually like a way of uh, how Web3 is connecting uh, artists with their community and creates their closer, more intimate relationships. Even though there is still lots of problems with Web3, I'm not saying like we like <laughs> we like uh, <laughs> have a huge journey ahead, really. Like we wow. were at the very, very beginning, but uh, the possibilities that can unlock are really exciting. And uh, we're also talking about additional ways how we can uh, tokenize assets, uh, how we can, again, achieve our decentralization in the financial sector. So Web3 brings our lots of crucial aspects to our life and uh, it's our goal not to mess it up. I love that. I mean, there's just so much potential for so many different directions for this space to go in. It's really exciting. It's really cool to see that. Any final piece of advice that you have for us? Sure. Uh, I want to repeat the phrase that I said at the very beginning, because I think it's very, very important uh, for you not to be afraid to try and not to be afraid to fail, because that's how you learn. And always uh, keep in mind that uh, if you generate a value for a community, you will be heard, you will be noticed. Just uh, keep trying, uh, keep uh, moving uh, moving through, keep forcing, and uh, yeah, don't, don't be scared. It will I come along. I'm so glad that we circled back around to that, that I feel like that is so important. So many people are so afraid of failing and, and messing up, but really it is a beautiful thing if you manage it right. Okay. So where can we find you? Uh, well, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. On Instagram, I'm NFT rockstar. Very, very easy uh, to find. Uh, just be aware I have impersonators. <laughs> so I'm the only one NFT yes. rockstar. I don't have any extra letters. It's just our NFT rockstar. Uh, on LinkedIn, I'm Elena Obukova. Uh, you can find me uh, there. You can also go to my website. That is obukova.co.co. Uh, obukawa.com yeah so that's my website it has also reached my troll my uh, contact information perfect we'll link all those in the show notes thank you so much for your time today you are definitely a wealth of knowledge and I was so happy to be able to chat with you thank you so much for having me and always pleasure Caitlin here. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in NFTs and Web3 podcast. If you're a woman pioneering the way in the NFT, Web3, or crypto space, I want to share your message. Check out www.metamintmarketing.io slash win, W-I-N. And let's see if you're a great fit. If you got something out of this interview, I would love for you to share it with your network. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your social channels. If you know someone that would be a great guest, make sure to tag them to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Women in NFTs podcast. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and truly mean a lot to my incredible guests and me. Want to stay in our world? Go to our website, 
metamintmarketing.io or follow me on Twitter at nftkaitlin, C-A-I-T-L-I-N. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.